Hello, be beautiful. Welcome to It's Time to Be You, the podcast that helps people pleasers take control and finally put themselves first. I'm your host, Ariel Von Bretter, and I'm a recovering people pleaser here to guide you on your journey. So today's episode, the topic may be a little bit heavy, but it's such an important conversation to have. We are talking about suicide prevention, along with some other topics such as negative thinking and setting boundaries and getting out of shouldville. But I wanted to throw it out there that we are talking about suicide in case it may be any sort of trigger warning for anybody. I have personally dealt with anxiety and depression, so mental health awareness is very close to my heart. And I have never personally made a suicide attempt, but the thought has crossed my mind in the sense of everything just feels too hard and I can't do it anymore and I don't want to do it anymore. But I am very fortunate to have people around me that support me. And I have worked with, you know, different therapists and I have found a medication that has really worked for me in my journey. And so just part of my passion for helping people and helping you on your journey is just, I just don't ever want anyone to feel the way that I have felt in the past. One of the things that really helped me with my mental health struggles is having others that were vulnerable enough to share their struggles with me and give me the space to share mine with them. And so if you have ever dealt with any mental health issues, you are definitely not alone and I am always open to talk. And so for today's conversation, we are joined by Jackie Simmons to learn how to have the talk about suicide and create a safe space so that we can put an end to suicide. Jackie is a TEDx speaker, a radio host, author, and co-founder of the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. Jackie not only teaches us how to have the important suicide talk, but she also teaches us about shouldville and how we can leave the shoulds behind, because I know that's a huge part of my struggle, so it's probably a struggle for you too. And she also talks to us about the four flavors of emotional energy. So this conversation is so important to help prevent suicide so that you can have the conversation with people around you, but also so that you can reevaluate some things for yourself and for your life. So I hope you take a listen and enjoy this conversation. Jackie, thank you so much for joining me today. Will you just tell um, my audience a little bit about yourself and who you are? Well, I'm Jackie Simmons and I'm a TEDx speaker. I'm an author. I'm the director of the Teen Suicide Prevention Society that I ended up co-founding with my three daughters who are all grown. The creator of something called the Four Flavors of Emotional Energy, a way to gain control over your emotional life. Awesome. I, I mean, that just sounds very intriguing. So I'm excited to like dive into that. Um, but before I kind of want to go back to how, how did this all get started? How did you get to become a TEDx speaker and find, and um, be the founder of the Teen Suicide Prevention Society and be an author? Like, where did this all start? Okay. So there are two parallel stories. I became an author because I was working with a coach who said, you know, you need to be an author. You're going to stand on stages. You need to have books in the back of the room. And I'm like, what is it that is missing in the, and I'm like, what was missing was the primer for being in business. So my first book was your path from secret to success. And it has an activity every day for seven weeks. And the activities are all around marketing and messaging and 
what you don't want to do on a sales call, what a sales call can be when it becomes a conversation rather than an, a transaction. And so it's just daily activities all around mindset and money. Awesome. And then they tricked me. <laughs> they tricked me onto their stage. I had actually signed up to sponsor at their event as a breakout speaker. You, you put me in a room of 20 people or less and I'm yeah. good. Right. <laughs> and they called me up right before the event and said, Jackie, bad news. We're not going to do breakout rooms at the three-day event this year. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's fine. I'm not a problem. And then they said the words that made my blood run cold. They said, <laughs> so we've bumped you to the main stage. Wow. You're gonna I would have, have freaked. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did. I mean, I was like, I've got my book. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was published in a fast paced, absolutely harried frenzy. And I got it in my hands in time for that event. Now wow. I've since re republished it because I had to go back and correct all of the typos and grammar things and um, that because I had pushed it through so fast. So yeah. now I've got a book I'm really proud of, but it was just a rush. And my presentation on the stage, while it wasn't rushed, mm -hmm. It wasn't me. And I didn't understand why. Now that was so like around 2016. Okay. And so yeah. let's kind of focus on this path for a little bit. So is your background, like what led you to writing this book and speaking? Like, is your background in like marketing and business? And I mean, how did you get there? I'm an accidental entrepreneur. <laughs> And I say that because I was a single mom. Hmm. And at the end of the month, I had three kids. At the end of the month, I could either pay the daycare yeah. or I could pay the rent. I could not pay both. Wow. And someone said, hey, Jackie, you know, I'm a registered licensed family daycare. Maybe that would be a good avenue for you. My children were five, three, and one. Oh, Wow. And I'm like, sounds good. I fast-tracked through certification. I knew nothing about business. I knew nothing about marketing. I knew I had kids to feed. That's right. what I knew. This is called motivation for anybody listening. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why? that is a, quite a reason to get it together and make it happen quickly. My why was I had three kids to feed and a roof to keep over their heads. So I did... What made sense to me, I was walking my daughter, my oldest daughter started kindergarten. So I walked her to the bus station with the, my strollers and, you know, and I'm like, I'm a licensed daycare provider. I've got openings for this age and this age. Do you know anybody? Please send them my direction. Yeah. I didn't know that was called networking and referral marketing. Yeah. I just knew it made sense to my brain that I would, in the course of talking to other parents, let them know that I had availability. Right. And people need it. And people need it. This was a, something. Uh, yeah. Here's the secret to business. Provide something people need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the real secret to being a success. But life became more complicated when I got out of daycare and went into business. Among other things, I'm an Eastern healing arts practitioner because I was trying to figure out how to heal myself first of chronic back pain and then of depression. I was a chronic depression, a clinical depression survivor twice. Okay. 
So everything I've done was in answer to one of my own needs. And it was all done as this accidental entrepreneur. And I was involved in this whole coaching world, even though I predated by decades. I mean, I started in my version of coaching with stress management consulting. Yeah. So eventually people asked me, how did I build my business? So I went into business consulting. So I'm kind of the collision of a stress management consultant and a business consultant. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's very much needed because with business can come a lot of stress and it makes sense that you put them together. It played really well together and I did okay, but I didn't do great. And I didn't know why. And then August 3rd, 2019, my now 37 year old middle daughter, Stephanie Mm -hmm. was giving a seven minute talk, a message that matters. Oh my goodness, Ariel, the morning of her talk was sunny and already hot. The conference room was on the outskirts of Sarasota, Florida. Mm-hmm. I walked in and greeted the 12 speakers that I'd trained to deliver messages that matter. I was so happy. Everything worked. The videographer was set, the, the slides, the PowerPoints, the, micro, the microphone worked. For anybody who does events, you know, this is a big deal. Yeah. I was like, it sounds like it was off to a great start. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean, the audience started taking their seats and Stephanie was getting into that nervous, excited state you get into right before you give a talk. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. She looked amazing in her dark blouse and flowery skirt and her hair pulled back in combs. I'm super proud of my daughter, Ariel. Oh, I bet. She was first up on the speaker's roster. So the lights dim. Everyone help me welcome Stephanie Ashton. She walks to the front of the room and shakes my hand with absolute confidence. And she started her talk with over 3,000 teenagers will attempt to take their own lives today, just in the U.S. Wow. I was stunned twice. Ariel, I had no clue the number was that high. Me neither. I also had no idea that suicide was her topic. Her next sentence was... When I was 14, after a bad day of shopping, I stood in my bathroom. The pain of not fitting into any clothes was just more proof that I didn't fit in anywhere. And that pain was more than I could bear. So I took a razor and I cut into my left arm, trying to end the pain and my life. Wow. Did you know that? I had lived through it with her. Mm. In the back of the room, I felt the blood just drain from my face. I felt myself go pale. Yeah. Because while I had lived through it, we hadn't really talked about it for over 20 years. Yeah, I had sold myself on the idea that as long as she was getting professional help, Mm -hmm. we didn't need to talk about it. After all, why bring that up again? Yeah. And I was scared that I would put the idea back in her head. Mm. So I stayed silent. Yeah. And Stephanie continued her talk with, it wasn't my only attempt. Outside of getting professional help, 
I've never really talked about it, especially not with mom. It was too painful, too awkward, too easy to avoid. And the truth is, I still struggle with suicidal thoughts. Mm. In the back of the room, my heart just sank. And I went from pale to bone cold. Like that's going to be so hard to hear if you haven't talked about it and you didn't, and if you didn't know that these other attempts had happened. You ever been hijacked by a bad memory? Yeah. Only my 30 years of stress management training kept me from crawling into a corner and just bawling my eyes out. Yeah. And Stephanie wound up her talk saying, along my suicide avoidant journey, I've learned tons of coping skills. Now I want to teach those skills to teens before they need them. Yes, before they need them. Oh my God, there was not a dry eye in the room, including mine. I bet, yeah. She, they gave her a standing ovation. I mean, people were rushing up and hugging her and thanking her for being so brave, so willing, so vulnerable. Yeah, it's powerful. In the back of the room, I was frozen, totally torn between pride for her bravery and guilt and shame for my cowardice. And then I wondered what Stephanie was right. What if the key to ending teen suicide was as simple as having the talk about suicide before it's needed, before your kid starts to struggle with suicidal thinking? Yeah. Fireworks started going off in my brain. I'm like, it's the missing link. It's what's so simple and obvious that professionals have tripped over it. Um, you know, simple and obvious, you know, like putting wheels on luggage. Yeah, I was like, that's, it is very simple and obvious. And it's kind of like, why haven't we thought of it that way before? Because, you know, yes, we have other talks to help um, our kids learn things and avoid things. But I mean, suicide is such, it's such a hard topic because it is like you don't want to bring it up because you probably don't want to put that idea in their head or like not bring up like this dark thing if you, I mean, are hoping that your child never has to deal with it. Like why even bring it up? But it is important because you never know if they're dealing with it if you don't talk about it. After that day, Stephanie and I decided to work together. Who knew that was possible? (laughs) along with their sisters, we did eventually found the suicide prevention, teen suicide prevention society. And now I host a a podcast and a YouTube channel, the suicide prevention show and the suicide prevention movement. What we started doing was figuring out that puzzle. Why has nobody else figured this out? How do we get parents to have the talk about suicide? Yeah. Well, we ran into all kinds of challenges with this because there's not a lot of support around having the talk about suicide and there's a lot of stigma associated with it. And when someone's struggling, they 
don't talk about it. They don't ask for help and they don't ask for help because of the stigma, because they don't want people to worry about them because they don't want to be a burden. We've heard it all now. They don't want to be labeled as having a mental illness. They don't want to be like, have to go see somebody. And they're afraid of the 72 hour psychiatric hold. So even if they're seeing someone and working with a professional, they don't want to talk about the possibility of the, maybe that they're thinking about suicide because if they do, they could end up being taken into a psychiatric unit for 72 hours until they can be evaluated by a psychiatrist. And those fears are preventing people from talking about it. So we realized there were two problems. One is mm-hmm. we had to figure out a way for people to have the talk about suicide with that bypassed all the stigma and fear. Yeah. And we realized that every suicide prevention program we could find was trying to answer the question, how do you stop suicide? Seems like a reasonable question, right? Yeah. What it means, though, is that they're totally focused on people who are deemed at risk of suicide. Right. So what's the solution? Yeah. So we asked a different question. At the Teen Suicide Prevention Society, we decided to ask not how do you stop suicide, but how do you stop suicidal thinking from getting stuck in someone's head? Mm. And the reason we added from getting stuck is because suicidal thoughts are actually normal. Sigmund Freud said they're part of our natural negative bias, our worst case scenario problem solving mechanism. Yeah. It's just the normal part of our thinking. The problem is not the suicidal thought. The problem is when it gets stuck. And it's so interesting from fear. Yeah. So that's how the talks that save lives got born. That's our program. And level one is the whole guide for having the talk about that stops suicide before you think it's needed. Everything from the step-by-steps, what do you say, to the invitation. Hey, I got an idea, Ariel. Yeah. What if instead of talking about it, we just demonstrate it? Would it be okay if I invited you to have the talk? Yeah. So here's the invitation. Hey, Ariel, I'm part of the mission to make teen suicide a thing of the past. They gave me a guide. I have to practice it. Would you have a few minutes, maybe 10 minutes that I could practice with you? Yeah. Cool. Hey, Ariel, thank you for letting me practice with you. It's only four questions. Are you ready? Sure. Question one, have you heard about the rise in teen suicides? Yes. Thank you. Question two. Ariel, do you have a story? Do you have a friend who's tried or died? Sadly, yes. Thank you. Question three, Ariel, have you ever thought of leaving that way? Uh, sort of. Thank you. Question four, hey, Ariel, why stay? What are your reasons for staying? You know, it's going to get better. What else? Uh, My family, my friends, I have a purpose. Another way to look at it, Ariel, Mm -hmm. what's so good about your life that you want more of it? I like that question. Imagine. As you said, your family, your friends, your purpose, you have the perspective of time. You know that things are going to get better. 
Mm-hmm. What else? Why stay? So when we recorded this conversation, I was actually not having a great day. So these questions were really good for me to think about and just think of reasons why to stay and, you know, what that I what I wanted more out of my life. So if you guys are hearing these questions and you don't know how to answer them, I really encourage you to spend some time thinking about it and to journal. So I think that this was just a really great way to show how this process works because it was kind of like a real life moment for me. So like, what else does this program look like? This is the entire first talk and here's why. Okay. Okay, so this is level one because while your brain was going, why stay and the circuits were firing in this new question, mm-hmm. what was happening in your mind, Ariel? is that your brain was pulling all of the energy from that unhappy topic of suicide and pulling it into the happy topic of reasons for staying. Mm, yeah. So now your brain has a, yeah, your brain has a file folder and it labeled reasons for staying. And anyone listening to your voice could hear when you tapped in to what was true. But while you were silent, what was happening with your listeners was pure gold because their mirror neurons were firing. Their brains were going for, what could her reasons for staying be? Oh, what are my reasons for staying? And every single person listening to this podcast just started building out a new neural network in their brain Mm. labeled reasons for staying. Yeah. So you just helped all of your listeners build a buffer between themselves and an edge they may not have even known they were near. I love that. It's, I mean, it's so simple. And so what like simple questions to really start the conversation and starting to have mm-hmm. that mindset shift. So what I, have been some of like the responses that you all have been getting from having this talk? First, people are willing to have the talk. And that was the big hurdle. The second is that it doesn't matter whether you're the one asking the questions or answering the questions. The impact on the neural circuitry is the same. Interesting. Because, yeah, the person asking the question, their brain is firing on the answers to the questions, including the last one. Yeah. And the, it's very precisely written out. The language is intentionally neutral. This is a way of ensuring that people don't get traumatized. And our talkers, you people who are trained to do the talk and who have the guide to follow, Mm -hmm. they, they have the guide. They don't probe in any area except the last one, except question four. And built into the guide is the alert for when intervention might be necessary. Mm. And what, what does that alert with? What, what are some kind of uh, things that people look out for? There's only one. There's only one. It's when someone says yes to question three. Yes, they've had thoughts of leaving. Mm-hmm. And when they say no to question four, they have zero reasons for staying. Mm-hmm. If, it's a, if that's the scenario, then When someone says that, yes, I've had thoughts of leaving and no, I have no reasons for staying, we stay with them and dial 911. Yeah. 
at that moment in time, that person needs intervention and we are not intervention specialists. They need the helps of someone who is absolutely trained in mental illness, mental wellness, mental health and intervention. Yeah. So 911 or whatever the 800 number, the crisis hotline, you get them on the phone with an intervention specialist because we've learned it's easier for people to talk with a stranger than it is for them to speak about what's going on with someone who might know the possible players in their pain. Mm-hmm. That's so such a good happen. point to bring up. Cause I think that is so true is that it's easy to, yeah. Talk to strangers about um, certain things because you kind of have this like no judgment kind of thing. But when you're talking to your friends or family, you might kind of feel like you still need to hide or protect them. So you don't really want to be as vulnerable, Um, but it's important to be vulnerable when you do need that help. It's important to feel safe enough to be honest. Yeah. And so are you, um, how I'm curious about how you are being able to like really spread the word with these talks? Like, are you all able to go into schools or like how, what does this look like? We will go wherever two or more are gathered. We also have it always available. Anyone who wants to be able to have the talk that saves lives can just go to talksthatsavelives.com. And there's the application to get level one training for free. And we will train anyone 13 years of age or older. Of course, if you're 13 to 18, you do need to get parental permission or responsible adult has to fill out the application with you. Right. But yeah, this is completely free and available through the nonprofit. Thanks to the generosity of our donors and sponsors and our partners. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'm so curious um, because you run this with your girls, what has that kind of looked like? And I mean, from that talk that your daughter first did that really kind of sparked all of this, how has this kind of impacted y'all's relationship and how you guys, you know, talk about these things? With my daughter, Stephanie, my middle daughter, the impact came twofold. First came from us starting to work together on the mission to make teen suicide a thing of the past and publishing Mm -hmm. books. The second came when I was asked to take a TEDx stage on what we had learned. Mm. It was in the final weeks before my stage and I hated my script. And I reached out to a friend who was a former TEDx organizer. And I said, Roger, can you read my talk? Cause <laughs> yeah, I'd like some feedback. And he's like, Jackie, it's really good content but it's not going to inspire anyone. Mm. And I went, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't come this far just to get this far. So right. I asked him for help. What happened was that Roger said I had to tell the story. I had to tell my side of the story, not the story Stephanie told at that, you know, giving that seven minute message, right. but my story of the day she first attempted. Yeah. And I'm like, Roger, I don't have a story. There was nothing unusual. It was just a day until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. That's my story. We were a normal middle-class American family. And then my daughter tried to kill herself. He said, Jackie, that's not the story. That's one sentence. 
And he mm-hmm. said, can you talk to your daughter? And I'm like, oh, yeah, because we'd been working <laughs> together, but we still hadn't really talked about it, capital yeah. IT. So I called her and the call went like this. Stephanie, you know, I'm doing the TEDx talk and they want me to tell the story of the day you first attempted. And honey, I'm sorry. I really don't remember. Yeah. And Stephanie laughed. And when she could get control of herself, she said, mom, it was the shopping. And then I remembered. Yeah. It's never about what you think it's about. And that's why the truest words we have come up with to help parents understand why you want to have the talk now and not wait for signs Mm -hmm. is because you can't tell by looking if someone is struggling. Yeah. And we've had this pounded into us in the last two years because the saddest five words in the English language are, we didn't see it coming. Yeah. And we hear it all the time. It doesn't mean that there weren't signs, but there are signs that you cannot see if you're a parent, except in hindsight, because you got a little part of your brain called the reticular activating system that filters out what you don't believe is there. Mm. A parent is hardwired to believe that their kid is okay. Right. And because we're hardwired to believe that our kid is okay, our brain will filter out any signs. So we say, waiting for signs, looking for trouble. So to have the talk without waiting for signs is as simple as issuing the invitation that we just did with you. Mm -hmm. And what happens immediately is when you ask someone to help you with something, part of their positivity in their brain starts lighting up immediately. Right. Because we have to be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, by starting it off, you know, as can I, can you help me is way is like an easier, um, well, yeah, way because to now you're not, it's not about them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like, you're not attacking them or like, we need to talk and have this serious conversation. Yeah. Um, it takes away all of the reasons that teenagers tune out when a parent tries to talk to them. Yeah. It, and you're, it, you're totally right about with the, um, the signs and not knowing. And I think, especially from the experience I had is just like, you don't, um, when you are like depressed or having those thoughts, you tr- like, at least for me, it's like, you try really hard not to let anyone else know, um, because you don't want to have those conversations. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not really going to have any signs and people aren't going to know. And then it can be something as simple as the like shopping that just that's kind of like the end of it it's like the straw that broke the camel's back like it all just comes crashing um, when you're already feeling you know a lot of like worthlessness or doubt and yeah especially growing up it's tough and teens don't have part of their brain part of their brain is literally missing it's called the prefrontal cortex yeah it's physically not present this is where the higher regions of the higher functioning you like 
perspective and language and reasoning. It's not fully, it's not physically developed until they're 12 and not fully functioning until they're 25. Yeah. So there's a lot that we pressure on kids thinking that they can think things through and they can't, they don't have a pause button. They don't have the perspective of time. They don't have what you said, Ariel, you know, things will get better. Mm -hmm. They don't know that because everything's happening in the now. So because they don't have that pause button, they are even more at risk of falling into what we call the negative echo chamber of the mind. What, is, having, what is that? It's where you have a thought that you can't stop thinking about. You know, like if I said, hey, Ariel, don't think about an elephant. <laughs> and then you think about the elephant. <laughs> So what happens is that someone has a thought that's uncomfortable. I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm never going to live through this again. Something that seems like a normal, innocent you know, thought, but all of a sudden they get afraid of it. Hmm. And so they try not to think about it. Right. And when the more they try not to think about it, the more they're actually thinking about it because now they're thinking about not thinking about it. And we call this doubling down on a thought. Yeah. And your subconscious mind is elegantly designed to bring about what you think about. It's designed to create plans and look for opportunities to bring you what's important to you, a.k.a. what's occupying your thoughts. Mm -hmm. When what's occupying your thoughts is suicide, we call this a negative echo chamber. Yeah. Because your subconscious mind is looking for opportunities and building out plans that you're not aware of on a conscious level. And without that prefrontal cortex, and sometimes even with it, all it takes is for opportunity to cross subconscious plan and they're gone. Ariel, they are in action without any rational thought. And those that survive will tell you, I don't know what happened. Yeah. And those taking those stories into account we created a model of what's the perfect storm that makes it where suicide is going to seem like the best idea at the time, which mm -hmm. is why we do anything. We take action because we decide that that's the best idea at the time. Right. And so once we got a construct of what all the pieces that were happening that make that the best idea at the time for a teen, we tried to get upstream. And that's how the talks that save lives got born. And you did ask me about the rest of the program. There are actually four pillars. The first one is the talk that saves lives. Mm -hmm. The other three are all designed to help you put your own emotional oxygen mask on first, just like they tell you in the airplane. Yeah. So for an adult or a teen, doesn't matter. The other ones are how to build boundaries and bounce bullies. So that's one. It's the talk that stops bullying, mm -hmm. how to interfere, how to intervene, how to stop negative thinking. It's really about how to look at yourself through the eyes of kindness so that you're no longer thinking negatively about yourself. Yeah. And then the fourth one is my favorite. It's how to get out of shouldville. <laughs> um, Shouldville is that dark, dank place where you go when you're shooting on yourself or someone else is telling you what you should have done and you buy into it. Yeah. It's 
a dark, dank place where lives get lived and dreams go to die. Mm -hmm. It is the self-sabotage suburb of life. Yes. So we've got the talk that gets you to stop self-sabotage, helps you leave Shouldville. And we actually created that on a website for everybody could have it for free. It's leavingshouldville.com. They actually get a brain retraining tool there for free. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I was like, I think a lot of people need that because I think so often people are living lives based off of what they should be doing according Mm -hmm. to other people and society. And Oh yeah, yeah. all of the stories we've bought into. Mm -hmm. So I I love that. That's the... The whole program, we call it being an advocate for living. And what do we know about being an advocate? You got to be a really good advocate for yourself before you can be an effective advocate for someone else. Right. That's so true. And I I love that it just, I mean, it covers all these important topics that I think, yes, are very important to talk to our teens about, but are just like throughout life, it's... You know, I mean, suicide doesn't, thoughts of suicide doesn't go away, unfortunately, you know, just when you're a teen and, you know, there are still, there's still boundaries in bullying as adults and (laughs) should build last and taking Mm -hmm. care of yourself. So I I love that it, you know, starts there, but it can really make an impact on anybody. It sounds like. That was our goal. Our goal, our mission is to make teen suicide and all suicide a thing of the past. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I just think it's so amazing the work that you guys are doing because it is just so important. And I love that you and your daughters are doing it together. I'm curious, you had mentioned that you yourself have um, suffered with depression. And I mean, is that, what does that kind of look like for you or what did it look like for you? Because you said you, you know, healed from it. And was this before these talks with, um, with your daughter and what she was dealing with, or was it after just, I'm curious about like the timing of it all. I stopped taking antidepressants in 2003. Okay. And that was a culmination of all the things I had studied as a stress management consultant, an Eastern healing arts practitioner, a mediator. I actually went into mediation training in the transformative style. Um, Not long after that, I became a member of the Society of Emotional Intelligence. And what I realized is that body, mind, spirit, and emotions are all connected when we're born. Mm -hmm. And then life happens and we start splitting apart. So my personal business went that direction on how do you prevent the depression cycle of thinking and the whole physicality of that. And so both things were kind of happening at the same time. I was sort of, you know, the cobbler's kids who have no shoes because (laughs) while I was doing all of this work, my daughter was still struggling. And my business wasn't thriving. So Ariel, your topic, Be You, resonates so strongly with me because while I did okay in my business, Mm -hmm. I didn't really thrive. And I didn't understand the reason until we started doing all of this work 
on the suicide prevention movement. And the reason that it came up, I finally got it. As long as I wasn't talking about my daughter's suicide attempts with her or anyone else, as long as I had that as a secret, what I had done was put something in between me and Mm. anyone who might want to work with me. Yeah. They say you only do business with people you know, like, and trust. And whereas I had all of the credibility that people would trust me and people liked me when they met me, the reality is they could not get to know me because I was hiding mm. part of me. Yeah. And it that's, was it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, that's just such a powerful realization. Um, and I mean, that's why I you know, like having these conversations and I want to empower people to be able to show up fully as themselves, you know, especially when they're running a business, because I think, yeah, like if you're hiding part of yourself, um, or just not taking care of yourself as you should, like your business is just not going to thrive and you're going to feel like you're struggling. And it's because you're like not being authentic and you kind of know that you've got this like thing in the back of you that you're not talking about, not admitting. So I think it's so powerful, um, that you came to that realization. And so are you, um, do you still have like your other business? Um, oh, yes. Okay. Awesome. Oh, I'm, and I'm super excited about it as well, because we've launched the four flavors of emotional energy. Oh yes. Tell us about that. Imagine having the ability to absolutely control your own emotions, to shift into a positive, powerful state of emotion at will. That'd be amazing. (laughs) And so that's what we're doing. It's a two hour, it's a free masterclass. And what I'm excited about is the fact that the flavors of energy are soothing energy, you know, calm, peaceful, and invigorating energy, confidence and strength and tingling energy, you know, love and joy. Mm-hmm. And the fourth flavor of energy is tonus. Tonus is the amount of muscle tension it takes to hold a briefcase when you've forgotten that you're holding a briefcase. So there's no movement, it's absolute stillness. And each of those four flavors is very useful in different scenarios. Right. And being able to shift into the one that I want when I want it has changed my life. And so I am dedicated to getting this information out into the world. I mean, that sounds just like really interesting to learn more about. And especially like, I don't know, I've never really thought of energy as being like these different flavors and you know, when I think of energy, I just kind of, I don't really know how to describe it, but I think that that can really help me think about things differently. If I, you know, understand that there's different, um, types that you use at different times and that you can, um, you know, use when appropriately and stuff. Makes a world of difference when you can absolutely choose your own. Mm-hmm. I bet. And, and where can people find um, this masterclass? The easiest place to get information on it is just to email me at okay. Jackie at Jackie I'm pretty easy to reach. Okay. Awesome. 
Yeah, I'll definitely put that in the show notes so people can easily email you and access that. That sounds wonderful. I'm really looking forward to it. We we have been working with these for a really long time now. And through thousands of sessions, we have seen them have amazing, amazing impacts on people's lives where they can choose how they show up, whether different for a boardroom than the bedroom. Right. <laughs> I was like, I'd hope so. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's awesome. I mean, you were just doing so much. I love it. Um, what, like, what overall message do you really want to leave with people today? When it comes to living your life, you can't do it wrong. Ooh, I love that. That's just so powerful. And I, and I think, especially for me, I have struggled with wanting to be so perfect that I'm always so worried about doing things the wrong way. So I really, really like that. Yeah. It's a universal struggle. We get so afraid of doing it wrong that we sometimes don't do anything. Yeah. Yep. And that's what depression was like for me to answer your earlier question. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, Thank you. I- You're very, very welcome. And thank you, Ariel, for asking. And thank you for hosting this and inviting me to be a guest on your show. Yes, I'm so happy to share the work that you're doing. And um, I just think that it is so important. And I mean, you gave your email address and um, you gave the website earlier. Is there anywhere else that people um, should connect with you or find any more information? You know, I'm on Facebook and I'm on LinkedIn And we really want everyone to go to the Teen Suicide Prevention Society.com page, Mm -hmm. watch the TEDx talk, leave a comment, share it. You never know whose life you might save. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think just continuing to spread the message and the talk and introducing this talk to people is just. I mean, you've already had such an impact on so many lives. So I just want it to keep growing and spreading so that we can prevent teen suicide and just make people more aware of it and make it not such a big, scary thing to um, initiate the conversation. I think so. Thank you. I really appreciate your support. Yes. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Jackie shared with us some great tips on how to have the suicide prevention talk. And I hope that you join Jackie in her mission to make suicide a thing of the past by visiting teensuicidepreventionsociety.org, watching the TED Talk, share it, and email her at Jackie at JackieSimmons.com for more information. And you can find all of this in the show notes. And if you are struggling with any mental health issues, I am so serious when I say that you can reach out and talk to me. I am so here for you and I'm putting all of the different ways that you can reach out to me in the show notes. And I'm also going to put some other helpful resources when it comes to suicide prevention and hotlines. And you are just so important. You are needed. You are here for a reason. And we need you to be you.